Welcome to Being the Dot. I'm your host, Dr. Stacy. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about what it's like to be a person of color in predominantly white spaces. Our goal is to have people to not just survive those spaces, but to thrive. Our topic today, healing in the wake of hate. There's been so much going on, y'all. My heavens, from Dante Wright to George Floyd to Breonna Taylor, uh, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, just on and on and on, that I really thought that it would be good to talk a little bit today about how to heal in the wake of hate. There have been moments in time that I certainly have talked about being a person of color in predominantly white spaces. And sometimes those white spaces are discrete spaces, a Fortune 500 company or the golf course or uh, what it's like to be black or brown in science and on the FDA advisory committee for vaccines and and um, all kinds of things. But I really am defining white space today as... America. <laughs> and and that knowing that oftentimes we can find ourselves just in this country in a white space very quickly before we know it even when we are surrounded by black, brown, yellow and red folks. And sometimes it can feel like a square peg in a round hole. We note that there is the everyday kind of racism, things like uh, barbecue Becky and being accused of um, not being putting on your mask in um, Central Park and then uh, someone calling the police or um, while bird watching, but just a myriad of things that can happen. If you think about racism as a triangle, Think about the peak of it being hate crimes and the N-word and racist jokes or slurs or neo-Nazis or QAnon. That's the, like the very peak of the triangle right at the top. And those are socially unacceptable ways, of course, to manage, to, to, to express racism. And then there's the more kind of covert or socially acceptable things like, uh, don't blame me, I don't own slaves or the bootstrap theory or blaming the victim, but um, expecting people of color to teach white people or colorblindness or denial of white privilege or claiming reverse discrimination or hiring discrimination. We know that that happens, that uh, people with black names with the same qualifications are less likely to be called for an interview or housing discrimination or discriminatory lending or predatory lending or Mass incarceration and certainly police brutality has taken center stage of people fearing people of color. And so, again, the top of that is the overt kind of white supremacy that is more socially unacceptable. And then underneath, holding up the peak of that triangle are all the things that we deal with on a regular basis that are expressions or influenced by racism. 
I've shared stories in my own life about being in the supermarket and being asked if I am paying with food stamps. And there's some assumptions uh, about me because of my skin color and my socioeconomic class or being followed in stores or black and brown women with natural hairstyles being asked frequently, can their hair be touched? There's so many comments about that when, you know, strangers don't just walk up and start touching people or people that you don't know well don't do that. that that's not normal. And, um, or, or there are other ways that we experience kind of this everyday racism. And certainly there's the peak and, and then what is underneath what I'm hoping today is to talk about both of those and how do you heal? Because as I have talked to my friends and as well as my clients, this is what I know for sure. Folks are tired. I mean tired, exhausted, that every day there seems to be something new happening uh, where black and brown people are being victimized or killed or murdered or some shape, form or fashion. And that the videotape, the phone videotape, taping capabilities has certainly been um, the tool of the revolution. And um, it can be exhausting at times. Just, I mean, even this week with George Floyd's killer, uh, Derek Chauvin, being found guilty, guilty, guilty on all accounts. And two or three days before that, Dante Wright was shot. And then that night, there was something else that happened as well to an African-American young woman. And so there seems to be this kind of nonstop barrage of racism being front and center and in our face, which people can experience as exhausting. Oftentimes, psychologists will talk about racism as trauma. And trauma is a significant or watershed events that moves you to fight, flight, or freeze. That your body is taking in that something is not right, there's some danger, something is wrong. We oftentimes think about a trauma as like a fire or um, or uh, maybe Vietnam or um, soldiers coming back from war. But I submit to you that racism does have traumatic effects on us that we certainly find sometimes, I don't know about you, but in the midst of some of this that I haven't been able to sleep or that you end up seeing images that are intrusive if you are, especially if you are a videotape watcher or you find yourself annoyed and frustrated and angry um, and not able to really articulate that or have the catharsis around it to um, to get it out. Or it could be that you have back aches or stomach aches or neck aches or that you find it hard to connect or that you may find that you are dealing with healthy cultural paranoia. All those things, folks, are trauma reactions. And I just, I'm hoping to, my desire today is to really kind of give you some tips and tricks that will help you to manage yourself and the process and to move you towards healing because this is what it looks like is happening that the barrage of outward overt racism is is going to be in our face for a minute now um for for some time and so that it's been in our face for a minute and it's going to be in our face for some time. And so I think that we need to make sure that that in the places where we are injured and wounded and hurt, that we are able then to find a solace, a place to rest our weary soul. So I'm going to start with the first thing. And, you know, we know that life and death is in the power of your tongue. 
And what you speak, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? That's what we know to be true. And so I know that we are, there's this fog of implicit bias and racism that's coming in at us. But I say that we can speak life to our own selves and remind our own selves of who we are. So here we go. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask, I'm going to read them all and then I will, um, I will go back to them throughout the time that I'm talking with you today. The first affirmation, black is beautiful. Being black, being brown, being red, being native, being Latinx is a blessing. I am more than my trauma. I give myself permission to heal on my own terms. I am as strong and powerful as the ancestors. I hope you're repeating after me. I can lean on my brothers and sisters for support. I don't have to conform to European standards. I am perfect just as I am. So remember, and I'm hoping that you, you're taking note of that, that it's really important to, to just affirm your own self, even when your outward environment is not doing that. And I don't know how many people watched that Gabrielle Ewan show um, about being Mary Jane, and she had um, little post-it notes all over her bathroom. I encourage you, uh, if you find affirmations to be helpful, or if you haven't found them to be helpful, either way, Put them someplace where you can see them or someplace that um, would be helpful to you in your line of vision because you can kind of take that in just as passively as you're taking in some of the other stuff. So I talked a little bit about trauma already, but here's the thing that really takes it up a notch for me as it relates to trauma. As a psychologist, what we know is that we all function better or more effective, creative um, more healthy in our emotions when we are not too stressed and don't have too little stress. Because if you have too little stress, you may seep into boredom. I mean, you may have found that in your own life that there are moments in time where you um, don't have a lot to do. And then as a result that you're just less productive or that you have too much to do and that you're overwhelmed and you're paralyzed right? And so the ideal state for all of us to be is right in the middle of that sweet spot where you're stressed enough to be productive and not be bored, but not too stressed where you end up in panic mode. But racism is this kind of constant thing that it really doesn't allow you to get in and stay in that sweet spot very open and so very often. And so it's important that you Think about that as part of your trauma and find ways to really hang out there in that sweet spot. We also know that there's an increase in hypertension because of racism in the workplace and that there are also lasting effects around self-esteem and satisfaction uh, because of how people deal with racism. But what I need you to remember is the affirmation that I said earlier. 
I am more than my trauma. Say it with me. I am more than my trauma. Yes, you are more than your trauma. Just remember that. And just because somebody is projecting something onto you doesn't mean that that is the totality of who you are. And so I really need you to remember that. Here's the other thing that I think is pretty important as well. And that is that racism and your reaction to it, whether it's these acute, discrete incidences like um, uh, murder or um, police brutality or your own experience with law enforcement, that oftentimes people will respond to it like like grief and loss, that you've lost something, whether that's safety or... um, or fullness or peace, but that there's oftentimes a loss that is connected to racism. And it's important to remember to give yourself the space to heal from that loss. And the affirmation that goes with this is I give myself permission to heal on my own terms. But if it is a loss, I'm going to give you the same advice that we give people who are dealing with grief. Don't forget to drink water, eat, exercise. And that doesn't mean, you know, work out on your Peloton bike. It could mean that, but it doesn't have to mean that. It just means get up, walk, don't stay seated, don't stay laying in the bed, and rest. And so that's the dear D-E-E-R. Drink, eat, exercise, and rest. Because... This is a heavy burden and a heavy load that you may be carrying. And in order to heal from that, it is important to take care of your basic physiological needs. Now, you've heard me say this before, and I will repeat it again, that your eyes and ears are the windows to your soul. And so it's really important to figure out what you want to take in. That when I've interviewed people, uh, particularly the summer in the middle of the civil unrest after the George Floyd murder, that um, people were talking about, some people watch videos and then there are people who do not watch videos. Uh, I am a non-watcher. I also did not watch much of the Derek Chauvin trial. I found ways to stay abreast and woke without exposing myself to it. Um, And so I've never seen the whole Um, nine minute tape of George Floyd and I oftentimes will keep a remote handy if I'm watching the news or something else that I know that they're going to show a tape I think it's important to take time to disconnect uh, as well and whether that is disconnect from the news or disconnect from social media or disconnect from other people or disconnect but just disconnect from your screen and sometimes you need to disconnect from people that that's a really important thing to do, to figure out how to do that. And it doesn't always mean a trip to uh, Cancun, but it could mean just that you take a moment to rest, not sleep. Sleep is good, not like it, but, but just to take time to rest. Don't forget hope. Hope is so important in the midst of this kind of constant barrage of things. And when I say that, this is what I mean. It's like the flowers growing in the middle of the concrete. You know, that you're walking down um, a a street and and that's what you see. It's kind of like, hey, I'm here. Here's a little hope that something is growing in the midst of this kind of hard 
thing um, that's on the ground. And when I and I'm not talking about toxic positivity. That is exactly what I'm not talking about. But I'm talking about seeing some of the good and being grateful for it. And so whether that is you're grateful for body cams or or phone cameras or that um, that body cam cams are more widespread in police departments than they ever have been. That the chokehold has been outlawed with some departments. Or maybe you're grateful for Vice President Kamala Harris, her being in the room where it happens. Or I, one of the things that had me pretty hopeful in the midst of the George Floyd trial was the you know, the little girl who was nine years old when George Floyd was killed, who was now ten. Jamila, I believe, is her name, and testified. Um, on on the stand and and that gave me hope I was sad for her that she had to experience that trauma don't get me wrong and it gave me hope for our future that she had the fortitude and the presence of mind to do that again I'm not talking about kind of toxic positivity that you your hope is not anchored in reality I'm not saying that at all but what I'm saying is that there are some things that are true and there are some things that are truth and what's truth is that progress is happening. And what's true is that there's still a struggle. You with me? And so really try to do a little hope installation with yourself because it's very, very easy to get caught in the dumps of the complexities of what is happening right now in our country. I also want you to remember that um, racism is the problem of the racist. Now, they make it your problem. That that's, that's true, and you are impacted by it. But I would submit to you that you don't have to do anything wrong or you don't have to um, have been less than or provoked um, a racist to be racist. And and, and so I, I just want to, I want you to remember that, that, that it's not you, it's them, literally. Not like in the in the breakup way, but just it's not you, it's it's them, and it's a system. And so um and so the system is bigger than you, and um and that it's it's important that you don't take it in and internalize it to be something that is wrong with you. Rather, I would encourage you to externalize it. Um to something being wrong with the system rather than it being wrong with you. All right, here's another affirmation for you. I don't have to conform to European standards. I am perfect just as I am. My next tip is take a break, take a breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. I have talked about the power of mindfulness apps before with you. And I do think that that uh, things like Liberate or one of my favorites is Abide. Um, There's also one called Shine uh, that is uh, focused on uh, folks of color. Um, And there's some other ones out there. And even last week's episode, we talked about the power of yoga. And we did some breathing exercises with our guest daughter that day, Trinity. And so I would encourage you to take a break and maybe you breathe in the entry that you've experienced and breathe out loving kindness towards yourself in the midst 
of that process. I also want to encourage you to remember the ancestors. Remember what they went through. A lot of you that are listening to this podcast, you are your ancestors' wildest dreams. And, you know, we can focus on the time that Africans were enslaved in this country and they were strong. But even coming through Jim Crow and the civil rights movement and and then um, being a part of the prison industrial complex. I mean, just our ancestors were strong, strong people. And that blood of those people is in you today. I have the blood of Ophelia P. Johnson in me and John Wesley Pearson in me and Sylvia and Wash Pearson in me. Like that is in me of Alma Fuller in me. And those folks are some of the strongest people that I know. Dorothy Johnson, Ruthie Johnson in me. That those are my people. Remember your ancestors. Get to know them, their history, and their story. Because it will inspire you. One of my favorite things to watch is Henry Louis Gates' Finding Your Roots. Because people end up learning that oftentimes that their current life trajectory is often similar and connected to ancestors that they never knew. And I would submit to you that the same is true for us. Now, the affirmation, I am as strong and powerful as the ancestors. The other thing that I just want to encourage you to do is do something. Find a way to contribute, to take the bite out of helplessness and hopelessness and the enormity of what we are currently dealing with. And so that could be making a donation or doing a podcast on how to heal or helping um, folks who are trying to get educated or but just find a way to contribute positively and to serve other people, but also to make a difference to help your own self. One of my favorite things to do when I'm trying to heal in the wake of hate is to be around my brothers and sisters or be in affinity groups of people who know and understand what I am dealing with. There's kind of a shorthand and a mm-hmm kind of thing that happens when we are in groups together. And so I want you to make sure that there is someone in your life who can be there for you. Now, I know, I know, not everybody in your life can be there for you, but I'm confident that there is someone in your life who is able to be supportive and who can help you in your healing process in the wake of hate. It's kind of like what Bill Weather said, lean on me when you're not strong, right? Just like that, that, that you are able to lean on other people. Another thing that I think is helpful that you hear me do it all the time on the podcast is music. 
And I mean, there's a great song. What is it? Sing, sing a song, sing out loud, sing out strong, sing of good things, not bad, sing of happy, not sad. Like, I know I can't sing. Please do not comment on my singing, but I enjoy it. And it brings me joy. And so I think as well that so singing and music is, is, is a point of joy for me. And I think that it's important for you to find the, the, um, the thing that brings you joy, whether it's the smell of food cooking or gardening or golfing or playing basketball or the giggle of your children or whatever it is to find how to heal in the wake of hate is to find that thing or those things that bring you joy and extend them in your life even more while you're trying to heal in the wake of hate. Now, now, here's my next thing. And you may or may not like this, but there are moments and times in our lives where Talking with our pastor is not enough. Talking with your friends or your bestie is not sufficient. Or talking to your family is not enough. And it is at that time that you need to check out how a professional might be able to help you. And I know, I know, oh, Dr. Stacy, that's for crazy folks or that's for white people, whatever, whatever your excuse is. But I'm not just saying this because I'm a therapist. I'm saying this, and I am, and that's part of it, certainly, because I know and I understand the power of it intricately. But also, I know it because I have been a client. And part of what therapy can do is to give you a space that is just for you to talk through and process your feelings, your thoughts, your triggers, your hurts, your hangups, your habits, that that's something that therapy is able to do for you that you cannot get from your pastor, your mama, or your bestie. And so when in doubt, check a therapist out. And my last bit of advice is probably the most important out of them all. Don't forget your faith, tradition, and identity, and or God that There's somebody bigger, something bigger, someone bigger than us. That I oftentimes say, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. That that gives me hope that it is not all on me or not all on us, but it is on all of us, if you will, and somebody who is in charge and who has a hope and a future and wants great things for me. That that helps me. Now, I don't know what your faith tradition is or your spiritual identity, but don't forget to lean into that to help you to manage and deal with racism and to heal in the wake of hate. It will help you. It will buoy you and you won't you will find yourself more hopeful than ever before. Now, thank you for listening. I really appreciate this. I know this is a departure of what we typically do, but I just wanted to come on today 
and to offer you some hope, some healing, and some help. If there's someone that you'd like to hear from of how they do it and how they end up thriving in white environments, be sure to email me at beingthedot at gmail.com with your suggestions or just throw something in the comments on iTunes. But don't forget to subscribe, to evaluate, and even to share the podcast. This has been a wonderful journey for me and I'm looking forward to bringing you more great guests next week. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. This episode was edited by Nikki Anderson. Special thanks to our interns, Amanda Gillette, and other contributors. Our music is provided by Jaffa. Being the Dot is sponsored by davidsdeliciousdelights.com. davidsdeliciousdelights.com. Custom-made, personalized cakes, pies, cookies, and pastries made with a dash of Southern flair. Visit davidsdeliciousdelights.com. And use the coupon code being the dot for 20% off orders of $34.99 or more. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.